Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Listen, Trump is not above the law. That's what an appeals court ruled after rejecting the former president's claim of presidential immunity in his January 6th case. We'll break down the key takeaways just ahead. Plus. On this vote, the yeas are 214 and the nays are 216. The resolution is not adopted. A major and humiliating setback for House Republicans as they failed to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. How the drama unfolded on the House floor and the surprise move by Democrats in the vote's final minute. And also ahead, we'll show you the pretty embarrassing election results out of Nevada, who Republican voters picked over Nikki Haley in the state's primary race, even though Donald Trump's name wasn't even on the ballot. Good morning and welcome to Way Too Early on this Wednesday, February 7th. I'm Jonathan Lemire. Thanks for starting your day with us. And it is an extraordinarily busy news day. And we'll begin here. A federal appeals court has rejected Donald Trump's claim that he is immune from prosecution in his election interference case. The three-judge panel of the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled unanimously yesterday that there was no basis for Trump to assert that former presidents have blanket immunity from prosecution for any acts committed as president. The 57-page ruling states that former President Trump is no longer the president and therefore has become citizen Trump for the purposes of criminal prosecution. Trump had repeatedly argued that criminal liability for former presidents risks chilling presidential action while in office and opening the floodgate to meritless and harassing prosecution. But the appeals court found that risk, quote, appears to be low. Trump, as you might expect, reacted on his fledgling social media platform, writing this. A nation-destroying ruling like this cannot be allowed to stand. He went on to call the ruling so bad and so dangerous. The former president is expected to appeal to the Supreme Court soon in a bid to prevent the trial from going ahead as scheduled. The D.C. Circuit panel cut the time Trump has to file an appeal down significantly, giving him only until Monday to do so. One key issue is whether the trial can take place before the November election. Special Counsel Jack Smith had asked the court to move quickly to keep the trial on schedule. Now, the original March trial date had already been delayed indefinitely, pending the resolution of the appeal. Joining us now, former U.S. attorney and MSNBC legal contributor, Barbara McQuaid. Barbara, so good to see you this morning on this important ruling. Uh, First, let's just get your reaction to the court's decision. And what do you think it means for Donald Trump, citizen Trump? I don't think this was a surprise, Jonathan. You know, there are a lot of legal issues arising in the various cases against Donald Trump. Some of them are more compelling than others. And this one was never really a, a serious contention, I think. 
but it had to work its way through the process. So we saw Judge Chutkin reject this, and then the Court of Appeals. Uh, it, they, they heard it on an expedited basis, but of course, it has slowed things down because while this appeal was pending, uh, everything was paused in the trial court. So it strikes me more as a delay tactic than a genuine uh, legal issue, but it is important that this case be resolved and that this uh, law be determined clearly that presidents are not above the law. Former presidents are not above the law. So, Barbara, walk us through the next steps at the Supreme Court. We assume Trump will appeal. Um, when, when or if will the court hear the appeal? And what will it look like? Where do you think the justices will land? Well, you uh, pointed out something really interesting that this court did, which is to give Donald Trump a very short time frame to decide what to do next. They said that the mandate, that which is returning the case to the trial court to get it back on track, is going to happen on Monday unless Donald Trump files a, a, a request to appeal to the Supreme Court. Um, and that means even if he seeks the full en banc review of this court, the case is still going to start proceeding in the trial court. So that's important. Um, the, the court, the Supreme Court has a couple of options. One is simply to deny his petition to review the case and let this decision stand. And then the case could immediately resume uh, the trial. That would be one option. And the court may very well do that. The other option is to take the case, but on an expedited basis, just as we see them doing with regard to the 14th Amendment case. I think it would still take a month or so before the case would come before the Supreme Court and then as much time as it takes them to decide it. So it could be a couple of months delay, even on an expedited basis. Or they could take it in its normal course, which means setting it for oral argument, setting it for briefing schedule, which could occur either this term or even not until next term, which starts in October, which would put the decision past the November election. So that is, of course, the key question here in many ways is the timing of when this trial may start, the one that seemingly was designed to happen before the election. You just effectively laid out the options there as to when this could happen. Is there anything that special counsel Smith's team can do to nudge things along, or is this simply in the hands of the nine justices? And we should note a conservative course, a court, three of whom were appointed by Donald Trump. I think there is one thing Jack Smith could do. You may recall that in an effort to leapfrog the Court of Appeals, he filed a petition a while back already to take this case to the Supreme Court. I think he did that in an effort to streamline the, the resolution. He said, this case is destined for the Supreme Court anyway. Let's skip this intermediate stage that is going to set us back two months and go straight to the Supreme Court, because this is a really important issue that should be decided by the Supreme Court. One thing he could do is to withdraw that petition and say, I'm really satisfied with what the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals did, and we don't need to take this to the Supreme Court. If the court declines to hear this, then this will be the resolution. This is good, and let's move on. So he could do that. We'll see whether the court accepts that as uh, the course of action it chooses to follow. But it's one thing that Jack Smith could do to nudge things along. This will simply be one of the most important moments of 2024 as to when this trial occurs. We're so grateful to former U.S. attorney and MSNBC contributor Barbara McQuaid for starting us off this morning. Her forthcoming book titled Attack from Within, How Disinformation is Sabotaging America is due out on February 27th. Thank you, Barbara. We will talk to you again soon. Elsewhere in Washington, the GOP-led House has failed to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Republicans fell just one vote short yesterday. Three members of the GOP joined the Democrats in voting against the articles. They are Ken Buck of Colorado, Tom McClintock of California, 
and Wisconsin Congressman Mike Gallagher. Vice Chair of the GOP Conference Blake Moore also flipped his vote to no just seconds before the vote closed to break the tie. Now, Moore's move allows the conference to bring the articles of impeachment back to the floor at a later date if they so choose. The tie happened when Democratic Congressman Al Green showed up at the last minute. Green had missed the votes that had taken place earlier in the day because he was in the hospital recovering from abdominal surgery. Republicans thought he wasn't going to show up at all. He did. Yesterday's Congress, yesterday, Congressman Marjorie Taylor Greene suggested that the Democratic congressman's arrival was a planned move. They hid one of their members uh, waiting to the last minute, uh, watching to see our votes, um, trying to throw us off on the numbers that we had versus the numbers they had. So, yeah, that was a strategy at play tonight. A spokesperson for House Speaker Mike Johnson says Republicans will bring the articles of impeachment back to the floor when the House has enough votes to pass it. We'll see if he follows through. This was a humiliating defeat for Speaker Johnson, and we'll have more on it later in the show. Meanwhile, after facing virtually no opposition, President Joe Biden easily won the Nevada Democratic primary last night, putting him one step closer to formally securing the party's nomination for an expected rematch this fall against Donald Trump. Challenger Congressman Dean Phillips entered the race too late to even get on the state's ballot, leaving Marianne Williamson as the only other candidate in the contest. The next Democratic primary is scheduled for February 27th in Michigan. Meanwhile, it was a disappointing night in Nevada for Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley. The former South Carolina governor finished behind none of these candidates. That was the choice. None of these candidates in the presidential primary in which Trump didn't even bother to participate. The outcome in Nevada is now Haley's third consecutive loss in an early state primary contest. Still, her campaign says her results in Nevada won't affect how long she stays in the race, with her focus now aimed at South Carolina and beyond. Trump wasn't on the same ballot as Haley since he's opted to compete in the Nevada caucuses instead, which are set to take place tomorrow and puts him on the path to claim all of the state's 26 delegates. The Haley team has been consistent in saying Trump basically rigged the outcome in Nevada and they barely participated. Still, another loss, but one that's probably not going to matter much in the trajectory of the race. Busy day here. Still ahead. Several migrants have been arrested after being accused of attacking New York's two New York City police officers. You've seen the video. We're following these new developments. Plus, what we're learning about the possible hostage deal between Israel and Hamas as Secretary of State Antony Blinken meets with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Those stories and a check on sports and weather when we come right back. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. 
care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan, backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dentalone-va.com slash offer slash Sirius XM. Welcome back as we turn to some of the morning's other top headlines. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken now in Israel, meeting with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and other top officials. They're discussing the latest framework proposal to release the remaining hostages in Gaza. Yesterday, Qatar announced that the response from Hamas is, quote, positive and that the group is open to negotiating. The framework deal includes what would be the longest pause in the fighting in Gaza since the war began there. There would also be a phased release of hostages. But Hamas says it's still looking to secure a comprehensive and complete ceasefire, which is something that Israel is strongly against. It's not clear exactly what else Hamas is demanding, but President Biden briefly weighed in on this yesterday and called it, quote, a little over the top. Meanwhile, a New York Times report that cites an internal Israeli military document suggests that a fifth of more than than 130 hostages are now dead. In response to that, Israeli officials say 31 people have been killed and the military is working to gain more information heartbreak there. Meanwhile, back here in the States, a parent of a convicted school shooter has been found criminally responsible for their child's deadly actions. A Michigan jury yesterday found that Jennifer Crumbly was guilty of all four counts of involuntary manslaughter in the deaths of four of her son's classmates back in 2021. NBC News correspondent Maggie Vespa has the latest. Count one of- An unprecedented verdict. We find the defendant guilty of involuntary manslaughter. Jennifer Crumbly found guilty on four counts, one for each student her son killed, leaving the courtroom in handcuffs as the first parent in the U.S. ever convicted for their role in a mass school shooting committed by their child. The jury forewoman speaking out to NBC News. It was very difficult. It wasn't an easy decision. The thing that really hammered it home is that she was the last adult with the gun. After the verdict, family members of those four students hugging prosecutors. The moment you heard the verdict, what went through your mind? Um, well, that I can breathe. Craig Schilling lost his 17-year-old son, Justin. He loved life and he deserved to live it. The historic verdict following seven days of emotional testimony, culminating with Crumbly taking the stand in her own defense. I wish he would have killed us instead. Prosecutors suggested she was a negligent mom who ignored mounting red flags about her son's behavior. She did not give him the help that he wanted. The defense arguing Crumbly was an engaged parent. No one could have expected this, including Mrs. Crumbly. Legal experts say this case may have implications far beyond this courthouse. Does this open the door for parents to be held accountable for mass shootings, school shootings in the future? It absolutely does. I believe this will be used as persuasive precedent. But for Steve St. Juliana, it's simply justice for his 14-year-old daughter, Hannah. Anything you want to say to the jury? Uh, Just thank you for using common sense. That was NBC's Maggie Vespa with that report. Now to an update to a story that we've been following on Morning Joe. Four migrants accused of beating NYPD officers and then fleeing the city after being released have now reportedly been found. Officials say they detained the suspects at a bus stop out in Arizona. 
The four are part of a group of migrants who were charged in connection with this assault on two officers in Manhattan last month. Of the seven arrested, six were charged and five were immediately released without bail. That decision led to a wave of criticism for the Manhattan District Attorney's Office and the city's bail reform practices. The governor of New York is now calling for the migrants to be deported if they are convicted of the assault. Next up here, we'll turn to sports. We'll bring you another upset in college hoops. We'll show you which top five team lost this time. Plus, a spectacular return to Brooklyn for NBA All-Star Kyrie Irving. He got booed, but he played really well. We'll have those highlights and a check on the weather forecast when Way Too Early returns. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. I learned that last night. <laughs> you learned it. For me, you watched the telecast. Oh! Kyrie Irving! High flyer! Kyrie Irving rising up for a rare alley-oop in a triumphant return to Brooklyn one year after being traded away to Dallas. Irving was terrific. He led all scores with 36 points in the game, lifting the Mavs to a 119-107 win. He was booed all night. But he emerged triumphant. The Nets now are 10 games below 500 on the season. Meanwhile, the Philadelphia 76ers will play without reigning MVP Joel Embiid for at least the next month. The team announced that Embiid underwent successful surgery on his left knee yesterday and we will be reevaluated in about four weeks. That timetable, which frankly seems like an optimistic one, potentially puts Embiid back on the court with about a month left the regular season. The Sixers have now lost six of their last seven games, and have dropped all the way to fifth in the Eastern Conference standings. Meanwhile, there was another upset on the college basketball court last night. We're bringing to you these to you on a daily basis. This one was in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where the unranked Clemson Tigers topped the number three Tar Heels for just the second time in program history. That seems incredible. Clemson blew an early 16-point lead, but still never trailed in the game, fighting to the final seconds to secure an 80-76 victory. We turn now to Major League Baseball. Two stars who are staying home this offseason. Jose Altuve has signed a five-year, $125 million contract extension that all but guarantees that he will finish his career with the Houston Astros. The team announcing the agreement on social media, calling their longtime second baseman an Astro for life. Meanwhile, left-hander Clayton Kershaw and the Los Angeles Dodgers have also reportedly reached an agreement on a new contract 
that likely ensures the three-time Young winner will play his entire career also with the only organization he's ever pitched for. Good to see guys stay with their teams. Altuve, Houston, Kershaw to Los Angeles. And now to the NHL. The Edmonton Oilers were stopped just short of history last night in Las Vegas, where a 3-1 Golden Knights victory ended the Oilers' winning streak at 16 games, leaving Edmonton just one shy of tying the league record. Great game there. Time now for the weather, and let's go to meteorologist Angie Lastman for the forecast. Angie, how's it looking out there? A lot better, Jonathan. Good morning to you. We've got, of course, still some impacts out west with this system that continues to move to the east, but we're starting to see some quieter and drier weather across portions of the west. We will still see a couple of batches of rain working in, but we've seen a lot of these flood alerts come down. Still 12 million folks included in that for Bakersfield, San Diego. We've got wind alerts and winter alerts as we're expecting more snow from this system across those western mountain ranges. We do have that push of, of wet weather that's going to work into the already uh, very soggy area of Southern California here as we get into the later parts of today and into Thursday. That system, though, will be on the move in Northern Plains and parts of the Great Lakes. We'll see some rain and some snow over the next couple of days. And how about these temperatures? More record highs on tap today. Des Moines is expected to be 30 degrees above normal for this time of year. We're into the low 60s from Des Moines to Kansas City, St. Louis, Minneapolis into the upper 50s. I have a feeling some people will be in their shorts and t-shirts through not just today, but even tomorrow too. Detroit hits 55 degrees. We do stay mild all the way into the weekend. This is the temperature I'm looking at here in New York. Jonathan, Saturday, 57 degrees. I don't know. Maybe I'll have a rosé on a patio or something. It'll feel like spring in the city. Yeah, it feels like we're fast forward to April. Indeed. (laughs) Jill Aspen, thank you so much. Next up here on Way Too Early, after months of talks and negotiations, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell essentially calls the bipartisan border deal dead on arrival. So where do lawmakers go from here? We'll talk about that next when Way Too Early comes back. Welcome back to Way Too Early. It's a little before 5.30 a.m. here on the East Coast, 2.30 out west on this Wednesday morning. I'm Jonathan Lemire. Thanks for starting your day with us. We return to Capitol Hill now, and Republicans are set to kill a procedural vote on the border security bill that they themselves asked for and negotiated. This comes as former President Trump has engaged in a relentless pressure campaign on the GOP to kill the package as he wants to be able to run on the issue in the general election. House leadership has said all along that the bill is dead on arrival in the lower chamber. Now, despite Minority Leader Mitch McConnell initially putting his stamp on approval on the package in the Senate, the Kentucky senator now says the bill stands no chance of becoming law. As of now, there appears to be no active path forward for border security reform, as well as getting aid to Ukraine and Israel. Take a listen to what McConnell had to say, followed by reaction on the Hill. We had a very robust discussion about whether or not this product could ever become law. And it's been made pretty clear to us uh, by the speaker that it will not become law. It is doubly outrageous for them to now oppose the very bill that they begged us to craft. A group of us spent four months working every day through the holidays, through the weekends, to satisfy the demands that Republicans made. 
We followed the Republican instructions on how to get a bipartisan border deal and how to get aid to Ukraine unlocked. And within 24 hours of unveiling that agreement, they abandoned bipartisan border reform and Ukraine for one reason, because Donald Trump asked. I understand some Republicans are saying, we don't need any changes to law. Then why did we write, write H.R. 2? Why did, we, why did we do that? Why didn't Trump just shut down the border? If you just think we don't need any changes to lie, he couldn't. He had to make a deal with Mexico. Joining us now, co-founder of Punchbowl News, Anna Palmer. She is an MSNBC contributor. Anna, an absolutely chaotic day on the Hill yesterday. We'll get to Mayorkas in a minute. Um, to more chaos likely today. So talk to us about what happened with this border security bill, why it fell apart, and what we'll see in, in the hours ahead. Yeah, we had some interesting developments this week. I think, obviously, there's only one person that matters here right now for why this bill is not moving forward uh, as planned, and that is Donald Trump putting his pressure campaign for both Senate Republicans as well as House Republicans to not move forward with any type of compromise. Uh, But we have some news this morning. Uh, that Chuck Schumer is going to go with Plan B here. Uh, So they're going to have this procedural vote at 1 o'clock this afternoon that will include the border package. That is going to fail, as we saw Mitch McConnell uh, kind of note. But Schumer is now going to move forward with just the foreign aid package, not the border security package. And we do expect that will be able to get 60 votes. The question is, and what time agreement uh, will this go through the weekend? Senators are supposed to be leaving Thursday, uh, but this is a new wrinkle in how Schumer is trying to force the hand of Republicans uh, on Israel, Ukraine, and the Indo-Pacific foreign aid bill. So let's talk about that foreign aid bill a little bit more. We heard President Biden urge for the U.S. to step up and help its its allies. Um, As you say, it looks like they might have 60 votes in the Senate, but what would its future be in the House? Do we think there'd be enough support there? Like so many things, we're dealing with two different realities. Uh, The Senate, you know, it will be a hurdle for them to get over this package over the finish line, just to be clear. But in the in the House, uh, likely to be dead on arrival. Uh, Hard to see how Speaker Mike Johnson, after having a really terrible uh, Tuesday, uh, losing two votes, how he would be able to bring up a package that includes Ukraine aid when the majority of his House conference no longer supports funding the effort over there. Uh, If he did, that might be the end of his speakership, to be honest, because that would rely on a majority of House Democrats as well as 30 or so uh, House Republicans to actually get that uh, passed. And then, you know, obviously, I think the president would sign it into law, but very tricky territory for Speaker Mike Johnson. Well, it certainly appears that the politics of this or if these bills do fail, setting up the Democrats to be able to blame Republicans for not securing the border and also for abandoning America's allies. Um, you mentioned what a terrible day it was for Speaker Johnson. Certainly the failed impeachment vote of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is top of the list. Tell us how exactly that went down, and and do you think the House will try again? Yeah, a very embarrassing day for Speaker uh, Johnson. You know, a lot of people questioning his leadership and decision making at this point. You know, typically a speaker doesn't go to the House floor unless they know they have the votes. And he went back to back yesterday, losing the Mayorkas vote as well as a separate Israel funding vote. Big 
uh, blemishes on his record in terms of what is going to happen and how he is able to lead that chamber forward on Mayorkas. Uh, you know, that was always going to be a very, very tight vote. Uh, Republicans were surprised when Al Green of Texas, who's been out because of some health related issues, returned. Uh, but it wasn't just Ken Buck. Uh, who, you know, the Republican from Colorado, who was giving Johnson trouble. You also had Mike Gallagher, the Republican from Wisconsin, who had earlier in the day signaled that he had some concerns about the precedent impeaching Mayorkas would set for, you know, the future and you know, Democrats moving forward to impeach Republican appointees uh, as well. They were unable to get that over the finish line. Likely they do bring this up again. This has been uh, something that Republicans have been pushing for for months, uh, but certainly an unforced error there, uh, as well as the Israel funding uh, package that also failed when Democrats said that they weren't going to support it. Another humiliating day for the House. Republicans covering so much ground for us this morning. Co-founder of Punchbowl News, Anna Palmer, thank you as always. Still ahead here, we'll go live to CNBC for an early look at what's driving markets this morning. Plus, a new report from the Federal Reserve reveals that Americans have a staggering amount of credit card debt. We'll break down what that means for the health of the economy when we come right back. Time now for business. And for that, let's bring in CNBC's Sylvia Amaro, who joins us live from London. Good morning, Sylvia. So a strong earnings season and expectations surrounding interest rate cuts have been a source of strength in recent days on Wall Street. How's the market shaping up in the early hours this morning? So today, at this stage at least, futures do suggest it will be a mixed start for the trading session on Wall Street. But as you rightly pointed out, on Tuesday we actually saw the S&P and the Dow ending the session on a higher note. And what we have seen over the last few weeks really is that indeed a strong earnings season and hopes of a rate cut have actually boosted momentum for U.S. equities. I have to say, though, that today the focus is very much on PayPal, Uber and Disney. These companies will be reporting later on today. Let's see what they will say and more importantly, how the markets will react. All right. So Americans credit card debt, we just learned has reached a new record high. Tell us about it and how worried should we all be? Exactly. So this is actually a staggering figure. I just have to say that the latest data from the New York Fed does suggest that credit card debt rose to 1.13 trillion U.S. dollars. So a huge amount there. The bottom line from this data is a very much what we're seeing is that credit card transitions into delinquency levels are still rising above pre-pandemic levels. So this is quite concerning. And at the same time, the key points of stress are being felt by younger population as well as lower income households. So this is definitely very concerning data. Let's see whether or not government officials will actually try to help consumers at this stage. But no doubt, very concerning figures. Yeah, huge, huge number. Um, and lastly, the disgraced founder of WeWork, Adam Newman, now reportedly wants to buy the company out of bankruptcy. What do we think? Is he going to be able to pull that off? 
Let's see, it's too early to tell. But what we do know is that Adam Newman indeed wants to buy WeWork. And just a bit of context for our viewers here, he co-founded the company back in 2010. The company, though, ousted him. And we also cannot forget that WeWork filed for bankruptcy, bankruptcy in 2023 after years of financial issues. So let's see how this will evolve. We do know, though, that Alan Newman has cited well-known capital sources as backing him, backing this idea of buying real work. But we did hear also from a hedge fund, Third Point, which told CNBC that they have not committed any financing here. So let's see how this will evolve. But for the time being, it seems that perhaps it's more of a wish rather than a concrete resolution that they will go ahead with this. All right. We'll keep our eye on that in the weeks ahead. CNBC's Sylvia Amaro live from London. Thank you as always. Still ahead here on Way Too Early, far-right Republicans in the House declare that Donald Trump is not an insurrectionist. We'll dig into the desperate attempt to influence courts and state officials weighing whether the 14th Amendment disqualifies the former president from holding office again. We'll be right back with that. We turn back to politics now, and dozens of House Republicans have signed on to a resolution that declares former President Trump did not engage in an insurrection. The measure was led by two far-right House GOP members, Representatives Matt Gates of Florida and Elise Stefanik of New York. 65 House Republicans co-sponsored the non-binding resolution. Republican Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio is expected to introduce a companion measure in the Senate. The one-page resolution declares that it is the sense of the House of Representatives that, quote, former President Donald J. Trump did not engage in insurrection or rebellion against the United States or give aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. Now, the goal of this resolution is to influence courts and state election officials who are deciding if Trump is disqualified from holding office under the 14th Amendment's ban on insurrectionists. Tomorrow, the U.S. Supreme Court will hear oral arguments on an appeal of the Colorado ruling that declared Trump is ineligible to appear on that state's primary ballot based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, the one about insurrections. In December, Maine Secretary of State ruled that Trump should be removed from the primary ballot in that state as well. And there are also ballot challenges currently pending in 11 other states. Tomorrow, a significant one at the Supreme Court. Joining us now, MSNBC contributor Charlie Sykes. He's the author of the book, How the Right lost its mind. Charlie, good to see you this morning. So let's let's talk about this resolution, Elise Stefanik, J.D. Vance, two Ivy League Republicans who went from criticizing Trump in their past lives now to praising his every word. Tell us about how they symbolize the evolution, if you will, of the Republican Party under Donald Trump. Well, they certainly do. Um, as as you watch as you watch the trajectory of both of them, I mean, these are smart individuals. These are well educated individuals who had no illusions about who Donald Trump uh, was originally and who he is now. And they haven't changed their mind because Donald Trump has grown as a person or a grown in office. Uh, they've changed their mind because they're following where the Republican Party is going, and they are also um, obviously deeply ambitious. What you're seeing now is is an audition for one man. It is an audition for Donald Trump's favor um, and perhaps a spot on on the VP ticket. What's really striking about it, though, is not just how radical their change of views is. 
It's also just how naked the ambition is. It's their willingness to go on and check every single box, defend every single uh, outrage of the president to mirror his his most extreme language. So, yes, if, if, if you if I was doing an update of how the right lost its mind, you could devote an entire chapter to just watching what's happened with J.D. Vance and Elise Stefanik. So, Charlie, let's get you to weigh in on the decision yesterday from the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals saying that citizen Trump indeed can be charged with a crime, that he does not have the blanket immunity that he wishes. Talk to us about, even as we know the Supreme Court is yet to weigh in, but tell us why you think that's important for our democracy. I think it's immensely important for the democracy because it was uh, it was a clarion call and it was airtight. It was uh, you know, I know people were getting frustrated about the length of time that it took, but um, they understood the gravity of the situation. They understood the need to declare that the president is not a king, that the president is not above the law, that no, uh, you know, that it would be um, to upend the Constitution to accept Donald Trump's argument. I mean, it is a thorough rejection of Donald Trump's claims of immunity. And I think it's going to have tremendous influence on the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, Look, I, I agree with Judge Ludig that the Supreme Court should disqualify Donald Trump. I don't think they will. But I'm much more optimistic reading this opinion, which is really quite remarkable, that the court is uh, that the high court is either going to let it stand uh, or will agree with it at some point. I mean, now the big question is, is how this is, how and whether this will delay Donald Trump's trial. But it's because there's no question mm-hmm. that he is not going to win this this uh, this argument that presidents will be immune. And by the way, That's Jonathan. This is a hell of a uh, campaign slogan that Donald Trump is taking into the 2024 race. You know, save presidential immunity. That's the mountain he wants to die on. And he just might. Yeah. And it comes on the same day that the House Republicans completely implode uh, with their failed impeachment attempt and sabotaging the border security bill. Charlie Sykes, thank you as always. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Up next here on Way Too Early, President Biden is calling on Republicans to show some spine, the man says, and stand up against pressure from Donald Trump, who's trying to block the Senate bipartisan border bill. We'll play for you the president's message. And then coming up on Morning Joe, we'll hear from Democratic Senator Brian Schatz, who says that he's gobsmacked the GOP turned its back on the legislation. And also ahead, a scathing appeals court ruling and a major blow to Donald Trump's legal defense. Why the court denied Trump's presidential immunity claims in his January 6th case and what could happen next. Plus, former U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder, he will also join the conversation. A busy morning, Joe, just a few moments away. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. 